the first public discourse of Jesus recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel begins with what is commonly called the Beatitudes. Now, we referred to them as the Beatitudes because they reflect the attitudes Jesus wanted the disciples to develop. Attitudes that can be found in true kingdom men and women. Well, Jesus' final public discourse includes something I've chosen to call the woe attitudes. And they can be seen in the lives of the scribes and Pharisees, the religious hypocrites with whom Jesus often tangled during his ministry. Well, as that ministry is now drawing to a close, he wants to make sure that his disciples understand the difference between true kingdom men and religious pretenders. So he strikes out once again at the scribes and Pharisees. Continuing our study in Matthew, we're ready for chapter 23. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and said to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. And they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called by men, Rabbi. But do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers." And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who's in heaven. And do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. The scribes and Pharisees were the official teachers of the law. And as such, they were to be obeyed. Their example, however, was not to be followed because they didn't practice what they preached. And not only did they fail to follow the law, they intentionally made the law into a burdensome thing by laying regulation after regulation on the people, kind of like politicians do today all the while refusing to help carry the load of legalism they dumped on everyone. Their only concern was looking religious. So they majored in those things that looked religious, externals, that people would notice. Now Moses had instructed the people to bind the law on their hand and forehead. And in Jesus' day, many of the Jews were taking this literally, putting scripture verses in little leather boxes called phylacteries and tying them to their hands and around their heads. The Pharisees, however, didn't want little boxes, they made big ones. They also made sure that uh, four tassels that were to remind them to obey the law and to remind men to obey the law could be easily seen on their robes. They loved the places of honor at banquets, the chief seats in the synagogues, and the respectful greetings in the marketplace. They loved to be called rabbi or father or teacher. Jesus said such titles shouldn't be used between brothers. And quite frankly, that's why I despise the term reverend and refuse to call anyone father in a spiritual sense. The Pharisees were exalting themselves, and Jesus said they would be humbled because of it. And that leads us to the woes 
he pronounced on them. And anyone who would follow their example. Woe attitudes that are strikingly paralleled by the beatitudes, the beatitudes that characterize true kingdom men and women. The first beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first woe attitude is, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from men, for you do not enter it yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Rather than opening the door to the kingdom of heaven, the Pharisees were slamming it shut. They were making it appear that they were the only ones good enough to enter the kingdom. There was no way a sinner could be made to feel welcome in their presence. And the truth of the matter was they weren't getting into the kingdom themselves because they refused to recognize they were sinners in need of forgiveness. They were anything but poor in spirit. The woe attitude is, I'm better than you. And I can keep you out of the kingdom. The second beatitude is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be merciful. The second woe attitude is, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses even while for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you shall receive greater condemnation. Now, this woe isn't in the oldest manuscripts of Matthew, but Jesus did say it, both Mark and and Luke record him saying it, even though they don't make a list of the woes as Matthew does. The new manuscripts, newer ones, do include it in Matthew's list, so we're in good stead, including it in our list of woes, okay? Just want to make that clear. Well, rather than comforting those who mourn, the Pharisees took advantage of them. They prayed on widows, while making long, eloquent, righteous-sounding prayers to God. Two different kinds of praying there. The woe attitude is, I can take advantage of you. Jesus said, those who have it will receive greater condemnation. The third beatitude is, blessed are the gentle or the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. The third woe attitude is, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel about on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Rather than making it possible for the humble to inherit the earth, the Pharisees were searching the world over for proselytes they could make in their own image. Converts who would lose any possible spiritual inheritance and become twice the sons of hell as the Pharisees themselves. For as we know, those who are converted to a new position are quite often more committed to that position than are those who converted them. And rather than seeking to make their converts into the image of God, the Pharisees were saying, I can make you like me, and condemning themselves by doing so. The fourth beatitude is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The fourth woe attitude is woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he's obligated. 
you fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering upon it, he's obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, he who swears, swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple, swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And he who swears by heaven, swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Rather than seeking to be honest and righteous in their dealings with others, the Pharisees sought to, treat, to, to uh, cheat them through an elaborate scheme of deceitful vows. This was an early form of fine print in a contract. If they could convince someone they were telling the truth, when in fact they weren't, they felt justified in cheating them. They were saying, I can lie to you. If you're not smart enough to catch me in a lie. To that way of thinking, Jesus says, whoa, whoa. The fifth beatitude is blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The fifth woe attitude is woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. To the Pharisees, religion had little to do with justice and mercy and faithfulness. It had only to do with rules and regulations and religious observances that they carried to extreme. You know, it was true that God's people were expected to tithe, to give 10% of their income for the support of the temple and those who served in it. But the Pharisees carried tithing into the realm of the ridiculous. They would count out mint leaves and dill seeds. You know, nine for me, one for God. Nine for me, one for God. Now, tithing wasn't wrong. And Jesus made it clear that they shouldn't neglect tithing. But they spent so much time majoring in minors that they overlooked the weightier matters and provisions of the law. Jesus said they, in effect, strained the gnat out of their drink but swallowed the camel. Jesus had a sense of humor, even in the midst of his woes. If they did the things they thought to be religious, they didn't have to be merciful. If they pleased God by counting seeds, they can say, I can be merciless to you. And to that, Jesus says, whoa. The sixth beatitude is blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The sixth woe attitude is woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. The Pharisees didn't care if the inside was clean or not. All they worried about was appearances. They would scrupulously clean the outside of a cup, but leave the inside dirty. And that was a picture of their life. Their outsides were clean, but their insides were polluted by robbery and self-indulgence. They were far from pure in heart. But they didn't care. As long as they looked good, they could say, I can look better than you. And they were satisfied with that. To that attitude, again, Christ says, 
walk. The seventh beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The seventh woe attitude, again, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Tombs along the roadway were whitewashed the month before Passover because if a pilgrim sat on one or even touched it, not knowing what it was, that it was a tomb containing dead men's bones, he would be defiled and unable to enter the temple during Passover. The tombs were whitewashed so all could know what they were and to avoid them. It wasn't done to make them pretty. It was done to keep people from touching them and being defiled by them. Jesus said the Pharisees had become like whitewashed tombs. While proclaiming to be peacemakers and saying they were the righteous ones who could bring others to God, their father, they were actually defiling all who came in contact with them. Because anyone who paints himself white and says, I can be more righteous than you, is full of hypocrisy. And lawlessness. Now, some say the Beatitudes end after number seven, but others insist there are eight or even nine because the next two verses in Matthew 5 also begin with the word blessed. Now, I think the theme of both verses 10 and 11 can be summarized by verse 10 Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we'll call that the final beatitude, number eight. The final woe attitude is found in Matthew 23, 29 through 36. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say... If we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Consequently, you bear witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how shall you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. The Pharisees weren't the persecuted. They were the persecutors, as were their fathers before them. They were, in fact, the offspring of vipers condemned to hell. Because of their woe attitude that said, I can persecute you. It was a hypocritical attitude that condemned them to bearing the guilt of all the righteous blood ever shed. From Abel's to Zechariah's, from A to Z. And it would lead them to crucify the very Son of God. And to persecute His church. From city the city. Because of this, Jesus cried, Woe to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites who say, I can keep you out of the kingdom. I can take advantage of you. 
I can make you like me. I can lie to you. I can be merciless to you. I can look better than you. I can be more religious than you. And I can persecute you. Now, Barclay has written that these woes constitute the most terrible and the most sustained denunciation in the New Testament. And A.T. Robertson has styled them the rolling thunder of Christ's wrath. But I think Christ expressed these woes more in sorrow than in anger. And I think that is confirmed by what he says next. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you shall not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were condemning themselves by rejecting him. And they weren't going to see him again, not as he really is, until that day when every eye would behold him. And then it would be too late. Their hypocritical, holier-than-thou attitude would keep them from the only one who could save them from themselves. Fortunately, it's not too late for us. If we will recognize our spiritual poverty, mourn over our condition, Humble ourselves before God and man. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Learn to be merciful. Seek to be pure. Strive to bring peace. And be willing to face persecution. He can still save us if we will confess that we need Him, and that we want Him. I pray that you don't have the woe attitudes of the Pharisees, but the be attitudes of a kingdom man or woman. And if you've not publicly confessed your need of Him, I invite you to do so now.